I hate death. This is a phrase I've repeated many times in recent years. Beginning with the death of my mom, and again thereafter, upon the death of several others. To have real flesh and blood living people whisked away and out of my life, leaving me behind to face their absence is repugnant to nature. Holy Scripture would be in agreement, I think, since it asserts that God did not make death. It was a penal consequence of that original rebellion of humanity against the sovereignty of God. Nature abhors death. And so my reaction against it is entirely right. I become ever more aware of death's relative closeness to me. And I feel that every day I yet live is a preparation for it, whether its hour be proximate or remote. This is a reflective consideration of death, not a morbid fear of it. I was well-schooled in the church's doctrine of the last things, the first of which is death. And I know that what follows it is the judgment and the final alternatives of heaven with its probability of purgation preceding it, or hell, a fixed and irrevocable state of unremitting misery. In our modern world, with its marvelous capacities for enhancing bodily life and thus delaying death, the theme of human mortality is far from the consciousness of most men. Its inevitability is even challenged by some bold scientists who have become confident that given sufficient time, death itself will have its cure and man can live on earth unendingly I leave aside here whether interminable life on earth is a thing to be desired. Our epistle reading is the catalyst for these thoughts, since in it St. Paul writes of our baptism as being buried together with Christ, as a baptism in his death. Faith in our Savior and Lord Christ lifts my mind from the gloomy and admittedly sad thoughts about death and opens up for me new meaning. And here's the turning point in the epistle. If we have been planted together, 
I love the Latin expression, planted together in the likeness of his death. We shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall live also together with Christ. There's nothing here that's a denial of those dread four last things, death, judgment, heaven, hell. But there is another and more sublime dimension of the subject of death which is laid before me here. And it's one which needs to be reflected upon more often by the thoughtful, reflective Christian and not only at the time of a funeral. The perspective that I'd like to expound upon briefly here is that the motive for God to become man, the incarnation, cannot be solely explained as providing the Lord with a human body in which to die to redeem the human race from sin. Though this is indeed a truth of Christian faith, there is a greater richness of understanding possible for the incarnation of the Son of God. The motive for God to become man was also the supernatural glorification of God. Not that God needs glory from without. He's entirely glorified all in himself. But the whole point of creation hinges on the idea that all of it was made for the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. In our Lord, in Christ, in God with an added-on human nature, all humanity consequently becomes related to God, subsumed in Christ, for the ultimate end of rendering to God a greater and external glory. This privileged perspective of the Christian faith affords us the knowledge that our lives have transcendent meaning, that we are made for God, but also that our death has transcendent meaning. It's not only that we live on this earth in a time and place of probation, bidden to observe the commandments, with the final outcome of reward or punishment, that being all true, but it is also that only by dying can my life become a holocaust, a nearly complete physical dissolution, so that I can league up with Christ's risen body to add the portion of myself 
to his glorified mystical body. Each of us, as you know, is a member of Christ's mystical body. And so each part must undergo that transformation in Christ by means of his blessed death to become finally and definitively God's. This enhanced understanding clarifies, I think, the meaning of St. Paul where he claims to long to die and be one with Christ. This is not the desire for death that comes from a disillusionment over the contingencies and futility of life on earth or a kind of abandonment to an inevitable fate. Rather, it's a self-giving, a turning over of one's total life, body and soul, to join partnership with Christ for a transformation whose final end is God for God's sake, which is to say, for his glory. And lest our human pride revolt at this desire for seeming self-extinction, it must be added that not only is the individual not lost in the immense ocean of the divine being thereby, but that only then is a man finally completed. That is, he will have achieved his full purpose in being made. God made us for himself, for his glory. We cannot think about this too often. This is the thought that can motivate us toward a more perfect Christian life, for a closer adhesion to God's commandments to a greater love of heaven and abhorrence of hell. We should want to become totally fulfilled, a finished product of God's creating hand. We should want to contribute to his external glory. When I come to regard death in this way, I can say that I, along with St. Paul, long to die. In the short run, I want to live only so as to fulfill God's will, to complete whatever plan he has for me according to my given vocation. And from time to time, I'll forget that. And I'll slink back into a more sullen state of soul, hating death for what it takes away. But in my better and best moments of prayer, I hope to remember 
that I must be planted in the likeness of Christ's death so as also to be of his resurrection. I freely want to surrender my extremely small self to Christ so that it can fill up what is lacking in Christ's sacrifice of his mystical body. Only I can contribute that small, seemingly insignificant portion. And I want Christ's mystical body to be complete with my contributing member for the glory of God. Only then will I have achieved the very purpose of my being created, the reason for my existence. At Holy Mass, we Catholics have the unfathomable privilege of becoming one with the sacrifice of Christ to become with him a holocaust of our mind and our will to the Father. This you must not neglect to do and renew it intentionally, at least from time to time at Mass, so that you can become more conscious of your vocation to holiness and so that you can renew your strength to serve God well every day with all the power of your being.